Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we are starting our division previews. Uh, it is already that time of the year, September 7th as we record this. Um, we're going to start with the Central today, we're going to go Central, Pacific, uh, Metro, and then Atlantic. Um, so those will come over the next four weeks or so. Uh, quickly, before we start our division preview, there's been about four or five really big contracts since we last recorded, so we figured we should at least touch on them. Um, we're not going to go into aggressive detail on too many of them, I don't think, um, but just we figured, like, considering there's multiple with, like, AAVs above or at or above $7 million, uh, it's probably worth it to touch on a couple of these. And the first one I want to touch on is Tage Thompson, who signs a seven-year deal, $7.142 million. Uh, signs him through his 26 through 30. No oh, math is hard here. Uh, 33 year old season, I guess. Uh, doesn't actually kick in till next year because he's still on a deal that pays him 1.4 million dollars this year. Um, obviously a massive payday for a guy who finally broke out last year with 38 goals, 30 assists, 68 points, and 78 games. Uh, I'm this contract kind of perplexes me. I he had a great year, no doubt, last year. But it feels like we have thrown out a lot of priors with him. Granted, small enough sample size, but still over the course of three years where he was not just a math player, an actively bad NHL player. Yeah, it's not like he was massacring the AHL either when he played there. No, like... I have heard from like Buffalo fans that are that do like this deal and a couple like smart Buffalo fans too that like so he he came over in the trade obviously the infamous Ryan O'Reilly trade uh, had a miserable year in 2018-19 2019-20 played one game and then went down to Rochester uh, and, and I think he got he got hurt in that year as well missed most of the season um, had 12 points in 16 games in Rochester that year last year had 14 points in 38 games and, and five and eight uh in the world cup or in the world championships with USA. Um, and then, yeah, this past year, 68 points in 78 games. I have heard from a lot of people that when he got hurt in that first NHL game on his recall, like that's when he really, a flip seemed to switch. Uh, or so, um, but I don't know. Or as I switched me seemed to flip is what I meant to say, by the way. Um, but I like, there is also the thing that, like, he played a lot of his first two seasons with uh, Vlad Saboka, who was also not an NHL-level player. Or even close. No. And I don't know. Like, this is, to me, it's just, it kind of feels a lot like the Jeff Skinner contract in terms of, but, like, Skinner even had better priors than him. But you had one, it's the same idea of, like, you had one year that is clearly so much better than the others, and you pay it. And, and the big thing I don't understand with this contract, they were under no obligation to sign this. They had him under this year for $1.4 million. Like, what's the worst case scenario? He scores 38 goals again, and then you have to give him eight and a half instead of 7.1? Yeah, and the other, like, we're going to get to a contract later, I'm sure, where it's like, look, if this guy doesn't work out, you're screwed anyways. Pay him. Uh, Sabres have, like, the best prospect pool in the league, probably. They very much... Like, Tage Thompson being good is obviously huge to their future, but it's not like we're saying scrap the Buffalo Sabres rebuild if Tage Thompson isn't there. Like, I don't really get the pressure to sign it, even if it ends up being a positive expected value contract for them. Yeah, Tage Thompson's what? Like, the fifth most important player right now in their rebuild? 
Yeah. Cousins, Krebs, Jack Quinn are probably all more important. Owen Power, easily. Well, I would still argue Rasmus Deline. Yeah. So whoever they draft this year will become more important. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple prospects as well. Yeah, and like he's a center, I guess. But also, if you look, he was on quite the shooting heater. This looks like a classic uh, PDO bender on paper anyways. And maybe yeah. the position switch explains all of it. But on paper, it looks very much just like a generic PDO bender. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, um, yeah, well, again, we'll get more into it when we get to Buffalo in a couple of weeks. But uh, they also signed another contract. Um, quickly, I want to touch on it. No, Not much to analyze here, but they signed their um, – Goalie, quote-unquote goalie of the future is what they're hoping for in Uka Pekalukanen to a two-year $830,000 contract. Two-way, um, I wonder, I should check the details of this real quick. I'm surprised it's a two-way deal. It was the only thing I wanted to know there, considering, you know, he came up last year, played nine games at a 917 with them, looked really comfortable doing it. And, you know, I just, I was not expecting him to sign a two-year deal. Yeah, and he's been the uh, goalie of the future forever. You'd think you'd think you're ready to move on from Craig Anderson for him at some point. Yeah. So, um, but the bigger goaltending contract uh, was Jake Ottinger from the Dallas Stars, and uh, we'll get to them more in this episode anyway. So I we don't really let's skip Jake Ottinger for now, just because we can talk about that contract when we get to Dallas, anyways. Um, the another huge contract that gets signed, JT Miller, seven years, eight million dollars per. Um, JT Miller's a great, okay, first of all, great for him, you know? Yep. But, man, this is a lot to be paying a guy for this contract to kick in at 30 years old. For, That's I, the worst part. I, I, it doesn't like even kick in yet. No, and again, it's another one that it's it's a year out that they sign it, and it's like, great, like, you want to keep him, you don't want that lame duck thing, you don't want him to walk in free agency. But, like, the Vancouver Canucks aren't a JT Miller away from competing for anything. No, or even that close. No, like the general consensus is they still need to make a couple moves this offseason to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah. A playoff spot. Inside the West, is that good? No. it's It seems like what the Rangers did with Panarin, where it was way too early, but significantly worse. Yeah, like not as good of a player and also like – not as good of a future like at least for the rangers yep. it's like oh yeah like you can sell them on yeah we got a bright future or whatever like vancouver's got pieces but they also have a lot of old players tied up with big money yeah the rangers like universally had the best like a top three prospect pool in the league at that point when they did it uh yeah. the Cubs, you're really hoping petterson's himself from two years ago yeah and like quinn hughes needs to be like better than what we've seen out of them so far yeah, and like Lucky or Mac, he's good and stuff, but it's not like they have this crazy prospect pool. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't I, – I still think the best thing long-term for this franchise would have been to trade him. Now, and granted, he's got all the intangibles and stuff, and I, and I get that counts for something. But, like, man, I, I don't know. It just – it kind of feels like they would have been better trying to kickstart a, another mini rebuild, which I know they don't want to hear, but, like, that's – this team's just trying to be the eighth best team. And and granted, like, I, I'm sure that's kind of what their owners seem to always want. Their owner, like the Aquilinis want to just sneak into the play. They love to meddle. They're almost an underrated owner, I would say, in terms of meddling with their franchise in a, in a bad way. So it wouldn't shock me if this was an ownership decision more than anything. But, like, 
just from purely a team building standpoint, this is not the right move long term. Yeah, I don't think so. And the funny one was uh, Swoops were like, oh, like you can't trade JT Miller and then turn into a contender as if the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning didn't go back to back right after trading JT Miller. Yeah, exactly. Um, I promise it's possible. All right, two more contracts to get to. One's bigger than the other, but I feel like the one we should still talk about quick. Kirby Dock gets a four-year deal from the Montreal Canadiens at uh, $3.362 million per year. Um, I really like this bet for Montreal, to be honest. You have to make this bet if you're Montreal. Given what you gave up, you better believe in him. And if you believe in him, this is a great contract. Yeah, exactly. Like, I still don't really agree with the trade. Like, I think they would have just been better keeping their asset. But at the same time, like, yeah, if you feel that strongly that Kirby Doc's a guy you can still build around and make something out of and maybe see him as a second-line center or second-line right wing, if that's what you see him as in, in a year or two, like $3.3 million would be great value for that. Exactly. They they clearly think he's way better than we do. So you got to get as much term as you can on that contract when you yep. sign it because you clearly think it's going to be huge value. And it's one where four-year term is kind of nice for both sides. He's still an RFA after this contract, but also like if this completely backfires and Kirby Docks is not an NHL player as a fourth liner or whatever – this Montreal team is probably okay eating, eating $3.3 million of cap hit for two or three years. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's low enough risk that it's not that big a deal, even if it it probably is a negative expected value contract, even still. But yeah, exactly. Very well, asymmetric. And then the massive deal that broke today. I did not think this was coming at all. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Tim Stutzla signs an eight-year deal with the Ottawa Senators. $8.35 million per year. Also doesn't kick in until next year when he's 21 years old. He's got one more year left on the DLC. Holy, what a summer for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I described this on Twitter, and, and I know that you, you had agreed with me, so I already know your opinions on this contract. Yes, it is a lot of money when you look at this guy's point totals right now. That being said, they are, A, expecting another leap forward. He had 29 points in 53 games in his rookie season, 58 and 79 games last year. He took a jump in terms of play driving last year. He's not a dominant play driver by any means, but the underlying numbers got better. And the eye test is all there as well. They're expecting another jump. And that's what this payday comes from because they're expecting him to be at least an $8 million player, probably more. And I love this deal because we talked about this on a couple contracts recently. And this is one you alluded to, obviously. If Tim Stutzla isn't an $8 million player, this team's rebuild is screwed. At, not screwed, but in terms of contender status, it's definitely screwed anyways. They need yeah. Tim Stutzla to be an amazing player. Yeah, when they when they went all in this year, it was very clearly implying that they believe he can be the guy on a team, on a, like a Stanley Cup contending team. Because if not, they don't have a guy like that, at which case you just went all in for the sake of it. Uh, so they must believe in him and give more. They drafted him and his point production at his age. And the fact that he was even in the NHL at his age at all, pretty reasonable bet. Yeah. Like I, I told you, I mean, this is kind of, um, maybe we should not talk as much during the day, but uh, you know, I don't know why he's not getting as much, well, as much as I'm trying to figure out the right word here. You know how much, remember how much hype Jack Hughes had last year where like everyone was like, this is the breakout season. This yeah. is exactly what I feel like for Tim Stutzla. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have quite the breakout season Jack Hughes did, whose point per game jumped off the charts, especially because he had a shortened season, and but looked amazing when healthy. But, like, I expect the exact same thing 
even if he doesn't get much better at play driving, simply because he is so much better at teammates this year. Yeah, the quality of teammates going to be a huge thing to watch for him. And like we were kind of talking about this, maybe the point totals don't jump as much if he's stuck on the second power play because of everyone they added. But as long as he takes that jump in terms of his underlying numbers, it's fine. You're there to uh, to win games, not to juice his point totals. So the Exactly. And like, I'm just trying to see if I can uh, pull up. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, line tool. No, I probably won't be able to uh, on the go here, but that's okay. Uh, but like last year, his two most common linemates were like Connor Brown and Alex Formanton. Yeah. And like, tough. there was times of the year where he was like playing alongside Tyler Ennis and like Adam Gaudet. He's going to go from that to playing alongside. He's starting the year already announced with Claude Giroux and Alex Dabrinkit, or at least starting three seasons that way. Yeah, that that's, is, uh, that's going to be one of the biggest jumps in line. And like, I love Connor Brown, but that's going to be one of the biggest jumps in line mates for any player. Mm-hmm. And Connor Brown's results were like awful last year, weren't they? Yeah, he, he didn't finish well at all. Like his, his underlying numbers were fine, but yeah, I'd, like they weren't like, like he was, a, he was a good third line player, but you're going from a good third line player to a guy who's been a perennial star in the league in Claude Giroux, who was probably closer to like, a fringe first liner now, and then a legit star in Alex DeBrickett. Yeah. Well, even if Giroux's, yeah, like you said, a fringe first liner, his, like, war is worth more than either of his previous line mates combined. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I I love this deal in terms of just, like, you kind of have to make these bets, and this is not a bet we're used to seeing Ottawa Senators make. So I will – much rather take you just go lock yourself in with this young core than go, now nah, let's nickel and dime them for four or five years and then trade them when they're all 27 years old. Yeah, I respect it. And like, yeah, you're in, you're in with this core. You've signed so many of these other contracts. You've made so many trades. Like that ship has sailed on your belief in this team. You're all in on them. You yeah. might as well get one more. Exactly. So um, and and you know, the one other thing I want to mention too is yes, eight point three five seems like a lot um, of money, but you and I were talking about this too. Is eight point three five is not what eight point three five was five years ago? It sounds like, way worse than it is. Yeah, like this is like the Newlander type contract from a couple of years ago, except it's for eight years. Yeah. So Which, if it's a good deal, I wish Newlanders uh, had two more years on it. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I, I really like this bet. I, I think. You know, I honestly, I think this could look like a steal before it even kicks in. If he has the breakout year, you know, people are projecting this year um, to just the point where it's like, you know, I, I don't think it should shock anyone if he goes to 70 points in 82 games this year, 65 points in 82 games. And, um, you know, if that and if he, you know, it's just a relatively good play driver for $8 million, you will take that. Easily. Adam has, for context, $8 million, low first line money over the course of the contract. So obviously not right now, but. You know, eight years from now, $8 million is probably going to be what we think of as like five. Yep. Yeah, exactly. If the cap keeps going up like expected, and I mean, it, there's no reason it shouldn't unless another pandemic hits, God forbid. But um, like, it, it's just, to me, it, it's just a deal that had to be made. And I'm like, I'm really excited to watch this team. Yeah. And there's, there's reason to believe in them for the first time in forever, which I think is underratedly valuable. Literally, yeah. Like, and apparently, like their home opener is already sold out, and their the tickets aren't even available to the public yet. 
So yeah, it, when you think the last time that's happened is even the year they were good, there wasn't actually reason to believe in them going into the year. Not like no, that. Like, and yeah, for like the past decade, this team has just been a bubble team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I just can't wait. And I, I'm pumped for uh, when we get to preview them. But let's move on to the main focus of this podcast. That wasn't bad. 15 minutes for five sign or four signings. We've done worse than that. Um, We've done so, like, <laughs> we've been way over 15 on one before um like in past years if you listen to us and during our season our season previews um we're going to order the teams and what we think they might finish in but we're also going in more tiers than anything else because at the end of the day you know like these are projections um but obviously the nhl season's crazy you know like i'm sure if i listened back to last year's preview podcast we would have got stuff way way wrong but basically, we've broken up into five tiers or so. Um, for this division, it might be a little diff- different than another one else, but it's kind of like division contenders. So, you know, guys who want to be winning the division, some of that is going to be three teams. Spoiler, this division is one team. Um, or <laughs> the, the second tier is more, you know, like playoff hopefuls. So guys who should be expecting to be in that second or third place in their division, or maybe looking at a wild card if their division's a little stronger. Um, wild card hopefuls. So that's guys where... They're probably not going to be top three of their division, but you could see them as a wild card team. Um, I also have one, especially for this division, just kind of stuck in the middle where they're not really a playoff team. You know, like it'd be a bit of a surprise if they made playoffs, but they're also not really like bad enough to be a bottom five, six team in the league. And then we have rebuilding the teams that we know are going to suck, right? Like there's no hope for those. And, you know, those, there's two of them right here. And another thing we want to try and do is just what is a successful season for some of these teams? Because obviously there's different goals. Um, so let's start at the bottom. Number eight. Um, I'm assuming I'm assuming there's not going to be any hot takes here. You know, I think I had a hot take last year with this division where I said Chicago was going to actually finish below the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Um, they didn't. Arizona was bad, but uh, I'm not going to make the same mistake this year. I'm going to have the Arizona Coyotes finishing dead last. Yeah, I wasn't really sure how to order these two. I kind of I went with Arizona too, just because it's Arizona more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, like their goaltending is basically they only have one goalie on the roster right now. Yeah, and like I know Chicago is like outwardly tanking, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just stuck to the like. At least Kane and Taze are still in Chicago. Yeah, and like. Even if the king gets traded at the deadline or what, like it's not, I don't think a trade's going to happen until the deadline. So you're going to have half a year of that. Like, as overpaid as Seth Jones is, he still is. Like, if the coyote, the coyotes seem like still determined to want to trade Chitron before the season starts. If that happens, Seth Jones is still better than anyone on the coyotes blue line. Yeah. He, so contracts aside, he might be better with Chitron there. Yeah. Like, and then even in net, like, it was a disaster year for him. But if Peter Morazic bounces back to just being an okay goalie, that wouldn't shock you. Yeah, Morazic, I think, is – I think reasonable expectations is that he'll be fine, if even though he probably won't be good. No, and, like, as a starter, like, I think they're fine. They're, they got the right idea of putting him as a starter. But, like, again, like, Arizona doesn't even have a backup on their roster right now. No. And so they – yeah. They're, they probably don't need one. You could probably just run random people and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably going to be their plan. The four goalies they have in the minors right now, 
are three of them are 23 or younger. One of them is 19, and the other one is John Gillies. That's a throwback. Yeah, I mean, 20 only 750. I'm just trying to see if anyone's even like, is someone hurt? No, like, there's no goalies on their injured reserve either. So I have Arizona last. Uh, obviously, like a successful season for them is winning the draft lottery. Yep, Bedard or Michkov. That uh, that's pretty successful to me. Yep. Um, there's just not a ton to analyze with this team up front. They're going to run, you know, Keller, Schmaltz, Lad. <laughs> they picked up Zach Cassian. Like Nick Ritchie might be playing top six minutes for this team. It's just going to be a bit of a wasteland. The old, the one question mark they have is Barrett Hayton still unsigned. Yeah, I'm sure they'll get a a bridge-ish deal done with him. But yeah, they're they're not even like a funny bad where they weren't aware of it. They're just kind of like a sad bad where it's like I'm not going to watch a single game and they're not going to care. Exactly. The only reason I'm going to watch a game is because I want to see what the atmosphere looks like in a 2000 seater. Python. I guess it's five. But and like I don't know if you saw the ticket prices for the arena. Like there's a chance they don't sell out some of those games. God, that'd be tough. That's such a bad look for the league. Oh, I know. And like, like that's yeah. gonna make it onto football, like NFL Twitter and stuff at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, but like the Chargers also played in a twenty thousand fan stadium, which it's probably not as bad, but it's the equivalent for football versus hockey. Yeah, but if their equivalent is an arena that would not sell out in half the NHL markets, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, but that's kind of the sports more than anything. Like it's not like. Yeah, the NFL has been against having small, way too small arenas for what they should be playing in. True, but yeah, it still is embarrassing. Like, and, but I hope they packed up. I like, even if the team sucks ass, I, I do hope that it's sold out and it's like a college atmosphere in there. That would be fun, at least. That's the other thing that could make this a successful season. That would be yes. cool. Yeah, exactly. But you know, in terms of the season, like I think. Shane Gostaspare is probably going to be on his way out of the deadline. Troy Stetcher probably as well. Like, I'm assuming they're just going to load those guys up with pretty big minutes. And then up front, like, maybe they'll get a taker on Nick Ritchie or Nick Bukestad. Seems unlikely, but those are their only upcoming UFAs. And then they got to make a decision on guys like Christian Fisher. Um, and honestly, see what the Barrett Hayton contract looks like, too. Like, the biggest problem I have with, like, Barrett Hayton, he's not – like you've thrown him to the wolves at this point. He's just kind of lost. Oh yeah. What's the best team he's played on? Like a team that's picking like eighth overall. They went to the bubble with him the one year. They got in the bubble and then got oh, killed right, right. in the first round. Yeah. And that was it. That's uh and that's as good as it gets. Poor guy. And I don't even think he played every playoff game there. So uh, yeah, like literally, and it, it kind of feels like a Kirby Doc type who would just be better going to a different organization to get a restart. Yeah, but better for everyone involved. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I have the Coyotes just finishing line. I mean, both of these teams suck, but the Coyotes just have like nothing. Other than, I feel bad for Clayton Keller as well, who's again a fine player, but when he is by far and away your best player, it's it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was surprised to see they have the same over underline on DraftKings. Chicago and these guys. That's interesting. I wonder. Hmm. Yeah, I just I, I, like with Patrick Kane there for presumably half a year. I just can't get behind that. 
Yeah. I wonder if it's a thing. You know how like Eric on the fork PFF forecast always talks about the tank variable in their model? Yeah. I wonder if it's something like that where it's like, look, this is just generally what we expect from teams that are outwardly tanking and we're not going to try to make much of a difference here. Yeah. And this Blackhawks team it sucks too. Like, yeah. Kane, Taves, Tyler Johnson. I'm not even sure how healthy he is. I like the signings of Athanasiu and Domi this year to one year, $3 million deals. Like those both feel like, yeah, we're going to load you up with the uh, top six minutes all year. And then right at the deadline, we're going to flip you. Pump you up with power play time, get those point totals way up and try to be a second round pick for us. Yeah, because they don't have anyone else they can trade unless someone's taking Jack Johnson, which maybe because every year I think, no way someone takes Jack Johnson. And then Jack Johnson finds a new home in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, the smartest organization in the sport did last year. So who knows? Yeah, he, won, he is a Stanley Cup winner who played 13 games last year in the playoffs. So yes, he is. I should no watch my never medicine. take that away from him. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's actually a two time. Actually, no, never mind. Did he win with Pittsburgh? No, I was thinking LA, but I think he got flipped at the deadline. He was for Gavrick, wasn't he? In the uh, 2012. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I think his back half. Yeah, his back half was Columbus. So never mind. He got flipped right as Columbus started winning. Or uh Columbus started winning. LA started winning, sorry. Um, yeah, like a successful year for the Blackhawks is also a draft lottery win. Um, but I would say, I mean, like obviously any team, and this is the big lottery, but you know, like this has been the the Bedard sweepstakes has been rumored for a number of years now, but I would say it's almost less crucial for the Blackhawks to win than the Coyotes in terms of like the Blackhawks are finally just admitting that they need to rebuild now. And this is like the first time this is like, obviously it's been obvious that they suck for a number of years, but last year they just trade away their first round pick to go get Seth Jones. Yeah. yeah like they haven't been outwardly bad for forever. Like the Coyotes have, they can, uh, they can win the lottery two years down the road or something. Exactly. Right. But like still to kickstart a rebuild, it would be nice to get, you know, a big, you know, a top prospect in the top three, top five there. So um, I don't need to talk about these two teams anymore. These are two teams. Like these are the only two teams. I would just be absolutely floored if they were even near playoffs, to be honest. Yeah. Even. Yeah. At best, maybe one of them makes a run where they're like five and five at the start. Yeah. Like exactly. So um all right, I have one team in this next tier of just kind of like right in the middle, and I was kind of debating combining them with another team. And, and it's like I, I could see that I feel bad because it almost seems like I just took the central and pasted the standings in again. But and I felt like that doing this as well. I got the Winnipeg Jets in this kind of like mushy middle here by themselves. Yeah, the Jets are aggressively mediocre. Which is exactly where they were last year. Like five teams out of this division made the playoffs last year, which is insane. Um, The Preds made it with 97 points. The Jets missed with 89. So they were, you know, a decent amount away still from the Preds, but they were 20 plus points up on the Blackhawks, which like I kind of see again because they're just kind of bringing in the same team, but a little worse. Yeah, they're just running it back older. Yeah, like there was big talk doing that. No, like there was big talk about massive change coming this summer, and they just did nothing. Yep, they just sat classic Chevy. Yes, yeah, like just a masterclass. They signed David Riddich to be the backup to Connor Halliburton. And like the, the only reason I debated 
putting them closer to the team I have next of like like playoff hopeful is because of Hellebuck. But like Hellebuck didn't have a bad year last year and they still missed by like nine points. Yeah, they were still awful. One thing going for them, I have in their notes for a successful season, Paul Maurice was actually purely the problem. Yep. Yes, that is true. Like maybe they're all of a sudden a hundred point team again. If suddenly like Mark Shifley, Ehlers, and not like Ehlers has been bad or anything, but like Shifley, Morrissey, like even Blake Wheeler just suddenly start playing like it was four years ago in that Western Conference final run. And it's like, oh yeah, the coach was absolutely the issue. That might be a successful season for them. And for what it's worth, for them to be a playoff team based on that, Paul Maurice has to be like the least valuable person in all of hockey. So I'm highly skeptical that that will happen. But maybe. Yeah, me too. But like, kind of sucks. So, I mean, really. Yeah. I expect improvement. But if they improve by four or five points, they're still missing the playoffs, right? And that's a two-war gap. Yeah, well, well, like, that's the thing. It's like they could get to the 97 points the Preds made it with last year, and it still might not be enough because theoretically, you know, like, it's probably a reasonable enough bet to expect the Flames, Oilers, and Kings to be good again this year. And I would be shocked. Well, I mean, Vegas' goaltending issue, we'll get to them, but, like, if I told you Vegas has more than 94 points that they had last year and they actually make the playoffs with 99 as well or whatever, like that means Winnipeg still wouldn't be in. Yeah. Yeah. They still miss in that scenario. So yeah, I don't know. Like I, I do think going from Paul Maurice to Rick bonus is a pretty big jump. It can't hurt. That's for sure. Yes. Um, I'm not like, I think Rick bonus is a pretty good coach. I'm like fully different on him. That's more of a Maurice thing than anything else. Yeah, like I don't think he's like top five, top seven or anything like that. But he's not bottom five, which I can confidently say I feel Maurice is. Maurice is, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I just, this is another team where it's like, I kind of go like, what's the long-term outlook with these guys? Wheeler's 36, Kyle Connor's 25, Shifley's already 29, Ehlers is 26. Dubois 24 and doesn't seem like he wants to stay in Winnipeg very long. Um, and who could blame him? No, I like, you know, Morrissey's already 27. Nate Schmidt's 31. Neil Pionk's 27. Brendan Dillon's 31. Dylan DeMello's 29. Hellebuck's 29 already. So, like, this should be, like, the competing ages of this core. And they feel like they're nothing but, like, unless Cole Perfetti just comes out and absolutely lights it up and is, like, a star star player they feel like they're pretty far away yeah like even if perfetti's a decent first liner they're still maybe a playoff team yeah like maybe i still want them as a lock though they'd have to have that and hellebuck having like a shesterkin level season yeah uh, maybe not that but like a, like a, a vesna caliber no doubter season yeah, well, and that's the other thing. Hallibuck could easily go off and get them into the playoffs, and they have their 46% XG or whatever, but I don't think that's particularly exciting as your one, your one out. Yeah, especially because every time we've seen that, it's not like they've gone very far. Mm-hmm. And every team's one out is if our goalie goes off, we're in the playoffs. That's just mm-hmm. hockey. Yeah, literally. We could say that about the next 16 or five teams that we're about to analyze as well. Yeah, there's almost no teams other than the outwardly tanking ones that are so bad if the goalie goes off, they're not making the playoffs. 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the Jets are going to kind of finish where they did last year, where it's like, I think they're going to be out of the playoffs by a pretty wide margin by the end of the year. But their roster is very clearly still better than that of the two bottom teams in this division. Yes. So um, the team I debated putting them with, but like they, they did improve their team this year and were already better last year and also have a very strong goalie. So that's why I put them in their own tier of like wild card hopeful is the Nashville Predators. And I actually, yeah, I actually put all three of them in a tier. So to be honest, there's yeah. Do you have the Blues in this tier too? Yeah, Blues and Dallas, by the way. Oh, see, okay, I have Dallas a little bit ahead. Okay, but yeah, like I, I think honestly, the division is just so mediocre. Especially like I think the Wild are clearly the second best team in this division, but also like. If you told me that a tandem of yeah, like if you told me of a tandem of Mark Andre Fleury and uh, Gustafson didn't actually hold up, Philip Gustafson didn't actually hold up that well, and they came fifth in this division, I wouldn't be like shocked. Least surprising thing ever. Yeah, so like it is just a lot of like I do think that these five teams and even the Jets to some and like that's why with Hellebuck, like yes, the Jets could absolutely come second in this division, and I still might not be high on them, but. Um, I just thought the Preds is like, like, it just felt like Soros, Soros was so good last year and they still tried to actively piss away making the playoffs as hard as they could. Yep. Yeah. They were not good. Oddly enough, out of the three teams I mentioned in a tier, they have the, uh, the best numbers from DraftKings and I thought they were the worst of the three. They had a better goals differential than Dallas and when it, well, I mean, clearly Winnipeg last year, but like. Them, they were plus 14 goal differential last year. Dallas was minus eight. I don't know how, like, that's got to be one of the lower ones of making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Negative in the playoffs, pretty rare. Um, maybe I'm a little low on this Nashville team. Like, I, the, the Ryan McDonough acquisition, I think, will help them this year. You know, we talked about it when it happened. I don't really understand it at all long term, but it'll definitely help this year. Yeah, that is true. Same with like keeping Forsberg, like, and adding. I really like the Nino Niederreiter edition. Maybe I'm a little low on this team. Yeah, like I think they should be poised to be aggressively fine as a wild card team. Yeah, but they, and like again, you don't want to say butt goaltending, but the thing that does scare me a little is they need UC Saros to probably be like a nine twenty something again to be that wild card team, which is a very sketchy thing to bet on. Yes, exactly. And like you see, so like we had him, I think, both fifth, right? Like he's a great yeah. goalie. Don't get us wrong. But he had a 927 or no, 918 last year. Um, yeah. Just raw numbers. Like he's still a goalie. Yeah. So um, that, that does scare me a little bit. But yeah, like this, this roster at this point, they're locked into a successful season is getting the high end of variance and probably like being a top three team in the division. And just, you know, like if they're in the division, I think they can they'll be fine against the wild stars or blues in terms of like, they'll be close enough to 50%. And then they just have to pray to God that somehow Saros stays healthy for the app series. And they could, he steals a couple of games for them because they got swept against the abs last year. Yeah. Cause they're, they're awful relative to the abs as most teams are to be fair. But yeah, I have successes um, for them as just winning a series, mm-hmm. like, which probably involves getting into third place. Like you said, because they're not beating the abs. No, and like even 
Like they're not if Calgary or wins the division or whatever, they're not beating Calgary. No. So yeah, I I, I don't know, man. I I go back and forth because like the other thing too is Matt Duchesne had a career year last year. So did uh Forsberg. Yeah, like that's not Andy Matt Duchesne had 86 points in 78 games last year. That's not yep. repeating. Come on. Yossi went off. Forsberg went off. I think even Johansson went off in terms of like what he's been doing recently. Relative, yeah. So like, I don't know. I, they'll be they'll be a fine team. I uh, I would assume they're going to finish in the 90s and points somewhere again. I, and I picture just, them as like a 50 percent Corsi team that puts up yeah 90 ish points. Yeah, nine yeah 94 points or whatever or 95 points. You know they had 97 last year. So if they're in that 94 to 98 range, it's like, well, will that be enough to get you in the playoffs this year? Yeah, and it might. It, it very well might. It's uh, like the the West is so weak. There's there's one true cup contender in this division now, in my opinion. Yep. You know, like when we were doing this last year, we kind of said like, oh, the Wild are on the edge of that kind of thing. Like they're a good team, right? Not obviously top seven or anything like that, but like they've taken a step back too. Yeah, and we were very confident in uh, Vegas coming into last year too, and that yep. has changed. Exactly. So, um. All right, did you have the Preds ranked fifth then? Yeah. Okay, who did you have fourth? In fourth, I believe I had Dallas. Okay, so simply because I didn't want to put the Western Conference all in the same order, I (laughs) flipped the Stars and the Blues. I have the Blues fourth, Dallas third. Yeah, Dallas has way better stars. Pun intended. All. I didn't Um, mean to say that. I would have picked (laughs) it. words if I was aware of that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah like the high end on Dallas like I really and so the one thing I'm I'm worried about I'm not worried about I'm I'm curious to see what Jason Robertson's contract looks like yeah that'll be interesting I'm really high on Jason Robertson you know since we did that winger's ranking like I really really like what he brings he is fantastic I'm excited to see Marchman too which is probably the niche thing ever said on a podcast yeah exactly and see if you know under a new coach rupe hints kind of gets a better uh um opportunity because he was getting scratched was it him or giriano i think it was giriano maybe that was getting scratched yeah sorry giriano i want to see if you know he can get a better opportunity down the stretch because like in that shortened season 30 points in 55 games last year he only had 31 and 73 but it was clear he lost the coach's trust yeah so um Fun fact, can you name who the coach of this team is? I have no freaking idea. This is the one and only Pete DeBoer. Oh, really? Yes. The guy who, I don't think he's ever gone like two months without a head coaching gig. No, he is the ultimate retread. Literally. Like, he's like, again, he's a fine coach, but just not the guy you would think of was just needing to get hired like a month after he gets uh, fired. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's okay to want more. Yeah, literally. Like, I actually have it right here. So, you get the coach Florida from June 13th, 2008, gets fired in April 10th, 2011, uh, gets hired July 19th, 2011 by the Devils. So, three months later, uh, gets fired December 26th of 2014, May 28th, 2015, gets hired by San Jose. So, six months later, uh, gets fired December 11th, 2019. January 15th, 2020, so a month later, gets hired by the Vegas Golden Knights. 
fired this past offseason on May 16th. June 21st, he is rehired. So under a month. Just crazy. But um, yeah, again, I think for Dallas, like a successful season is probably winning a round or two. Probably yep, around. I, I mean, like, went around. Yeah. Um, for them, it kind of feels like it's the same situation as last year, where it's like they almost probably want to be in the wild card to go over to the Pacific and see if they can give Calgary some some trouble again. But like, yeah, they're getting stomped. Void the they, abs at all. Costs. Yeah, literally. Like, but um, and then obviously Jake Ottinger signs in that, and that'll be another thing to keep an eye on for this team throughout the year because. I like this Jake Ottinger contract. I think, you know, it's, they didn't convince themselves that a short sample size is enough to just go absolutely balls to the wall with an eight year term. Like three years is basically the longest term I'd want to give most goalies. He is young enough where it's like, if they would have went six or seven, it's like, yeah, that's a better bet than signing a 28 year old to a seven year deal. But at the same time, like they now have an out where it's like, yeah, I mean, in three years, I don't think this team's going to be good enough where it really matters if they need to give Jake Ottinger double the salary. Exactly. And not going crazy was really what was important here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to be interested to see if he can take the starters role. Um, they're bringing in Scott Wedgwood, who was quietly very good last year to be his backup. Um, I'm not going to try and analyze backups too much because it's pretty random. It feels like, you know, so, but um, Wedgwood over the past, you know, like last year, he played over with three teams and had a combined like nine ten save percentage. If he gives you that over 25, 26 games, maybe 30 games, you're very okay with that. You're thrilled, yeah. So, um, yeah, like this team's just so – they're so meh. This whole division's incredibly boring. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like, because even like St. Louis, so a team that like, again, like I could see these two teams going either way. Honestly, like, I think St. Louis has way more shooting talent. Yes. Well, that's but, the only reason they were relevant last year. Yeah, but like their underlying numbers do scare me. Like if Ryan O'Reilly takes a step back, this team is fucked. Yeah, the downside risk of St. Louis is very bad. I do. I do want to have them ahead, but even like last year, like they got elite goaltending out of Billy Huso for like half a year, and that was still only enough to get them third in their division. And now he's yeah. gone, and they're going Jordan Bennington. And then a little Nazi is his backup. Yeah, I'm kind of mad at myself for picking them, to be honest. Uh, anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, Thomas Bryce is a backup. He's literally banned from the uh, playing for the German national team um, because he had. I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of term here. I should probably uh, just make sure. I believe he had a swastika on his helmet. Uh, and German national team. Sorry, this is not bad. I just don't want to speak completely out of term here. Um, yes. Team Germany officially cuts ties with Thomas Grice over his political belief. Maybe it wasn't a full-on swastika, but it was definitely something on his helmet. And then there was also, I don't know if you saw his picture of his helmet with the flames, but he has the word Grice along the bottom, and the SS is in a very similar font to uh, something you might want to look up. So, uh, anyways, enough of a tangent on that, Kim. Absolutely, Kim. Um, the rest of this team, though, like, you need, like, a successful year is having Colton Perrieco to be the guy he was three, four years ago. 
Yeah, which he is absolutely not anymore. No. And like they're just they're just getting a year older. Every their whole core. Yeah, they have a lot more like decent players than Dallas, but they definitely lack the huge upside. Yeah, like they need Robert Thomas to take another giant step forward and hit his upside if they want to have yep. be better than Dallas. Yeah, like Thomas is great, but Robertson's just on a whole nother level. Yeah, so I don't know. I I genuinely don't have a prediction on what team I like more here. Yeah, well, for what it's worth, Vegas has uh, all these teams within one point of each other. That feels about right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because, like, as much as I say I want to bet on shooting town, that's not super sustainable that's either. No. Yeah. Like, but that being said, like, I don't, I don't really think Dallas is going to be the strongest, just like defensive team. Like, I don't know, man. It's, I'll go with Dallas. I'm going to go Dallas slightly edges out the St. Louis Blues, but they're both in the hunt for that third spot and probably a wild card spot too. All right, we'll watch that when the, in the saddest bet of the world. <laughs> um, all right, the team that's still second, and honestly, I think this is they are way closer to the pack of Stars, Blues, Preds, and even the Jets than they were last year, and that's the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. Uh, the Wild finished with 113 points last year. Not something I would have been able to tell you. Uh, I like Actively shed. <laughs> they had to shed because they – bought out two guys on massive contracts and it's only going to get worse. Uh, the reason I do think this team is still clear tier above though, uh, Kirill Kaprasov is amazing. You know, I think we both had them in their top eight for wingers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what a full year of Matthew Boldy looks like as well. Uh, or another you know year of Matthew Boldy looks like. He was really good for them when coming up last year, 39 points in 47 games. I think we're also going to get to see Marco Rossi this year, I would assume. Which would be really and, cool. Yes, that should, you know, like just the upside of that, I think, should help a lot as well. So, um, also just between Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, like they they have a good decor at least, which is yes, absolutely. The blues don't really have not of that quality, anyways. No, exactly. And like the the stars, like Heiskinen is really good. And, uh, you know, but like the stars lost Klingberg this year. And, and, you know, we said we wouldn't pay Klingberg the contract he was asked for. I, I, I think it's the right move from the stars, but like, he's still a loss on the blue line. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, this successful year for Minnesota, it's unfortunately just a, another team that's probably just looking to win a round or two. Win around. Cause you can't realistically in the abs division say win two. Yeah. So they're the closest one, obviously to trying to, convince themselves that they you know want to beat the abs but like this team last year was their best chance of doing it and they didn't get particularly close no so i don't know like i i I am really intrigued by this team's forward core though yeah it'll be interesting to watch if nothing else Mm mm-hmm which, again, is not something we've said a lot over the past decade for the Minnesota Wild. But I do think that a, a forward core of Kaprasov, Erickson Eck, um, Matthew Boldy, Marco Rossi, if he takes the step into it, uh, you know, even Marcus Foligno up there, you know, the, the top nine should be exciting enough to watch of guys that are, are intriguing, that's for sure. Yeah, it'll be something to watch. And Kaprasov's like 
full-on highlight reel every time he steps on the ice. So he basically yeah. carried that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I just it's uh, it's unfortunate. Like I kind of get why they did it, but it's just unfortunate that the buyouts cap. Because the other thing too is when they bought the guys out, it kind of looked like they were going to be taking a step back, regardless. And that's why I was kind of okay with it at the time. I thought these years would be more retooling anyways, but like last year they had a legitimately good team and they kind of had to dismantle some of that because of the money. Yeah. They they had to dismantle a lot of it. Yes, absolutely. And like, I don't really agree with some of the, like if you're going to be spending $12.7 million on buying out guys this year, which is what they are spending. I don't really agree with giving Jacob Middleton $2.45 million. No, it was, that was a big bet on Boldy and, uh, What's his name, Rossi? Yeah. And then a couple of your other younger prospects being able to fill in later. Well, just go sign a guy for 900K. He can bring the same thing that Jacob Mills does, I promise. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like, this team will be exciting to watch. But I don't know. I'm, I am a little concerned about the goaltending as well, though. It's it's uh, not great when you factor in Flurry's age. Mm-hmm. And that he was coming off of like a not great season last year. And like, I've always liked Phil Gustafson in Ottawa, but he was bad last year. He could stop a beach ball. Especially on a team where you actually want insurance because you're trying to be a contender with a 37 year old who was mediocre last year as your starter. Yeah. Like, and now, you know, Gustafson has had, and like, even when he went to Belleville last year, he looked way better. So, you know, Maybe they're betting on it, but like Gustafson's never played more than 18. And like there's most, he's only 27 NHL games played and 18 of them were last year. Nine were at the end of the year, the year before. Yeah. That's not really a guy you should be like, oh yeah, we can start this guy 35 games. Yeah. There's a non-zero chance. He's not an NHL player. So yeah. So um, yeah, the, the variance is very extreme with this team in terms of like some of their young guys providing a lot of high end skill up front, but also, the bottom, like if you told me the bottom fell out of this team, I would not be shocked. Yeah, Flurry puts up a nine oh two and they miss the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, the Colorado Avalanche. Apparently, they're good. Yeah, they're they're not bad. They're not bad. Um, apparently, I heard a rumor that they were maybe in on Evan Rodriguez as well to replace like that Cadre spot or like be replaced by a like addition, right? Um, yeah. In terms of, yeah, like the money ball kind of approach of one guy's probably not going to produce what he does, but if you get Lekin in for a full season, Evan Rodriguez, that would be genius if they book steps up or whatever. Yeah, and and they have three point nine million dollars in cap space, so like rumor is that Evan Rodriguez is going to come in, like I would assume he probably gets around three, but that would fit right in with what the Avs have. Yeah, that works perfect for them. Yeah, so. yeah, like I'm sorry to people who are big fans of the Central. Yeah, it literally would, especially because it's like you can double down and be like, yeah, look, I've had two really good years in a row. And someone can pay me the bag now. Yep, you can get your five by five or four by four or something after that. Yeah. Or hell, if you want to take like a three by three, you can just be the second or third line center on a team that's going to be a perennial cup contender for the next three years, right? Like, yeah, head to Tampa or something. They're always looking for cheap labor. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I'm sorry to fans of the Central. This is just the most boring division by far this year. It's so boring. It's, and it's, if the abs weren't so goddamn good, it would be like, at least there's an intrigue on who wins. 
it's just the most boring division in the middle and then the best team in the league by a mile at the top. And it's like, yeah, wow. you have the defending cup champions who really have, you know, they, they've lost stuff this off season, but are still an amazing roster head to toe. And then you have four to five teams that are just very meh. And then you have two teams that are actively trying to get the first overall pick. Yeah. The, the Minnesota like Wild. Yeah. Then, then you have like a, control. we could be like, oh, the Preds could like win the division if Saros takes them to it this year. Yeah. The, the Preds aren't winning the division. Like, even if Saros puts up a 925, I would he, still not bet that the Preds win the division. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so, um, yeah, like the, the, there's such a stacked team still from head to toe. Um, and it just kind of doesn't like the this is the last year, obviously, on that absolutely sweet McKinnon deal. But like, guess what? The six million dollars, like, the, it's not going to be much different next year because they get six million dollars off the cap from Eric Johnson. That's probably just going into McKinnon's pocket. He's going to make 12.3. Yep. Or something along those lines, right? So, like, and then, you know, next year, like, JT Confer's up at 3.5. Like, you can replace JT Confer with $3.5 million. Yeah, it's easy. You're the abs. You can probably double his output for $3.5 million. Yeah, so it's just one of those things where it's like... Evan Rodriguez. Only, yeah, exactly. Like, for not only this year, but for years to come, it's like, yeah, even with the upcoming contracts, this team is still just in an absolutely amazing position. Yeah. So... um, I think we talked about it when the trade and signing happened, you know, I am curious to see with their tandem, what that does for them, especially during the regular season. Like we just watched them win a cup with a guy who took a stick to the eye and couldn't see the puck for half the series. Um, And they were still just fine. So like, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm quite okay with them using the logic of like, why would we pay a goalie more than, you know, they're paying their goaltenders $5.4 million this year combined. Yeah. Why would we pay more than that for goaltending when we just won the cup with what Korgiev has given over the past couple of years? But I am curious to see, you know, over the grind of a regular season, will they be able to cover up? Like, will will they be like a 119-point team or like does their goaltending struggle a little more where they're maybe closer to 110 or something like that? Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch because they're doing the theoretically optimal thing. But whether it actually works out at such a volatile position will be really cool to see. Yes, absolutely. And like, because, you know, I feel like people don't really, and obviously team effects have a big part in that, but like Darcy Kemper put up a 921 last year. And like, it was very good. Yeah. And like, I'm pretty sure most of his underlying numbers were still solid too, right? Like, yep. They were fantastic. They were like top five in the league. Yeah, so like he was a legitimately good goalie for them, and and you know stole games at times for them last year in the play, in the regular season as well. So um, that that'll be the one thing I think to keep an eye on. But like their defensive depth, it remains the best in the league, or like their defense core remains the best in the league. It's them in Calgary. Yep, I think as the top two teams. But like Kale McCard, um, Sam Gerrard, Devon Taves, Bowen Byram, like Josh Manson. It's just gross. Yeah. So, sorry to the central fans. There's really not much to analyze here. No. This is the only division I would be absolutely floored if, a, if a team like if the color like if the team we project winning it doesn't win. Doesn't yeah. 
Yes, literally every other division is interesting at the top. Like I said, if the Avs were mediocre, at least it could be like the Metro, where it's like, oh, anyone could win. It wouldn't shock me, even if there's one clear, one favorite. Yeah, but they're just so much better than everyone else. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's that's really all I have. Uh, you know, I say, again, obviously a successful season for the Avs is winning the Cup. It's Cup or broke now for them. Cup or bust. Yep. So... Uh, and, and like they probably haven't checked DraftKings, I imagine they have the odds on favorite to win again this year, which they probably by a mile, yeah. And just, especially given like the division, like we just got through, like there's a very good chance that they play two not great teams in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Well, that's the thing, they would be favored against like Toronto and Florida and Tampa on neutral ice, and then they're in a worse division, yeah. And like all it takes is one series, like last year, where it's like Good for Edmonton, they got there, but it's not like Edmonton was as scary on paper as Calgary. No, right? So it all, it all it takes is one upset on the on the way there. And sure, like you can argue that the Avs could be that upset as well, which they very well could be. But like assuming that they get there, it's like, oh yeah, like like just even last year they went through um, the Preds in four, the Blues in six, and like the Blues gave them trouble here and there, but it, it never really felt out of the Avs' reach. Like it always felt like the Avs were going to win. Yeah. Um, the Oilers in was it five? Yeah, I think. So. Or no, they swept the Oilers too, didn't they? They swept the Oilers. Did they? Yes, because oh, yeah. they won in overtime in game four. Yeah, so they sweep six, sweep, and then obviously Tampa in the finals. Well, like, like that was their path last year. If you told me it's the exact same this year, I'd be like, all right, maybe. Yeah, I would you, believe it. You play the Preds again in the in the wild card or something, or the Blues in the wild card instead, and then. You know, you played the stars are wild in the second round and you feast on them, like sure. Yep. So yeah, I I don't have much more to say about this division. It's unfortunately it's just not exciting in terms of I mean, I shouldn't say that. Like the battle for like second to fifth in the division will be exciting. Hopefully. And just seeing you can make playoffs. But yeah. Yeah, well, because second matters so much in this division. Yeah, exactly. Um You're guaranteed so- not to play the abs. Yeah, second, yeah, second and third matters aggressively. And then it'll depend on the Pacific looks about like whether you try and what if you'd rather want that first wild card versus, you know. But I, I doubt, like, again, don't want to spoil it too much for the next week, but like the Pacific looks pretty good this year. Yeah. You know, not, not like world beaters or anything like that, but they look good. So, yeah, it's deep at least. Yeah, exactly. So that's our Central Division preview. Um, Nice and short for the first week. I, I can guarantee the next three will not be like this. There'll be more debating about what teams are good and or better than others and you know where we have teams for sure on the next three divisions. But um, yeah, we decided to start with this one because it was a little just a little easier in terms of uh, a muddy middle of teams that just don't really feel like they have a ton of hope this year past just making playoffs or whatever, which is fine. Like that's for some teams that's okay. But and then the odds on favor to win the cup for the entire week. So uh, all right. Um, yeah, that's all. Uh, as always, you can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, last, yeah, just this past week, I had a post out actually about the best and worst free agent signings in Ottawa Center's history. Uh, it is bleak to the point where, despite not playing a game, I've already made the case for Claude Giroux to be one of the best. Um, <laughs> I will also have, in the next couple of weeks, a puck drop preview. We're starting those on the site as well. We're previewing all 32 teams coming up this year. Those are always a lot of fun. So make sure to check those out. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Uh, find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66 and all his stuff. Uh, 
actionnetwork.com. Uh, Chase, do you have anything coming up that you want to uh, promote? I have a uh, team quality article coming out soon about how uh, player output tends to change as their uh, their surroundings do. Yeah, absolutely. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, and uh, to everyone in who watches, enjoy the football season that is starting probably today as this podcast comes out. Uh, Chase, I know this isn't a football podcast. Give me your Super Bowl prediction. Do I be boring? Yeah, do uh, whatever you want. I'll go box. I'll bet on the AFC killing each other and go uh, box. Who are they beating? All right, now it'll be boring. They beat the Bills. All right, I'm going to go Chiefs over the Packers. I like that. I Probably not fair. I don't think either team's favorite to come out of their conference, but I don't know. I, I, the, the Bills rightfully have the best chance, but for some reason, I think that I feel like people are sleeping on the Chiefs a little this offseason. Yeah, I mean, betting on the two best QBs in the league probably isn't isn't the worst idea. Yeah, exactly. But I am absolutely pumped for football season, so I hope everyone else enjoys that. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week with the Pacific Division, and we will talk to you all then. Bye.